Welcome to Messy in the Middle, the podcast. We are two realtors from two different coasts working to improve and grow. We believe you deserve to have a thriving business and live a balanced life. Your journey from ideas to implementation starts now. Hey, everyone. Ed Billings and myself sitting here chatting with you about really exciting things. That's right. Loans. (laughs) You're in the loan office. (laughs) And from the loan office. How are you today, Ed? I'm doing great. You know, um, I've, I've actually been learning a lot myself on this series and, you know, learning from you on some stuff and Mm. then doing a little more homework, getting better. And I think our agents that listen to this will, uh, get a lot of stuff that they might be kind of half forgot or take for granted. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, our, our buyers and sellers out there, um, you're going to understand options and terms and, and ins and outs that'll make you make better decisions along the way. So that's our goal. Totally agree. So today, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Before we start again. Yeah. To our buyers out there, to our sellers out there and to our agents out there, this is a broad stroke of what a conventional loan. Broad strokes. Broad, broad strokes, strokes, big paint, big paint brushes. Yeah. So we would ask that you take this information, use it as bullet points for questioning with your lender that you know, love, and trust. These are just things that are super important in the underbelly of a conventional loan. That's right. And you know, um, you know, that's why it matters is that, you know, we were trying to, we need to educate ourselves and our clients and make sure they understand all the terms and, and, mm-hmm. and options. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about conventional loans. So as I am often to do, I like to quote some stats. So the percentage of loans that are conventional. Now, if Jeffy can read the show notes, she'll know the answer. Seventy <laughs> percent. Amazing! You nailed that right on the oh right God, on the nose. Seventy right on the number. Seventy friggin' percent of loans mm-hmm. are conventional. And uh, so, what what does it mean? What's a conventional loan? At the end of the day, what it is, it's a mortgage that's offered by a private lender mm-hmm. and is not backed by a government agency. Yes, that is correct. And when we say backed, we mean it doesn't have private mortgage insurance. It's not protected. The lender isn't protected in this loan like they are in an FHA loan. That's right. So some conventional loan basics. The first first, uh, question you need to ask is, is it conforming or Mm non-conforming? And what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> so, hey, so, you know, buyers and sellers out there, just throw that one out to your agent and roll them under the bus here. You understand? <laughs> is this a conforming loan? By the way, what, is, what does non conforming mean? And they'll be like, well, well so, so let me get back your to you. Lender, on that. Yeah, your lender should know. But a non conforming mortgage is a loan that cannot be sold. Uh, to a bank to Freddie, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Okay. So, and, and the main reason that that is is they're usually too large. Right. They meet. They exceed that loan limit. That's right. That and when you go into those type of loans, those are called jumbo loans. The vernacular jumbo. of that. Yeah. So they're non-conforming jumbo. You're in jumbo land, is what I used right. to call that. So, uh, so that that's what that's all about. So they're. Conforming loans are ones that can be sold to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and so they're in that that market, and uh, and that kind of drives the rate. So, 
let's talk about lenders' risk. Okay. okay? So conventional loans, conventional loans are considered conventional because they aren't insured or guaranteed by the government, which means that they take on more risk. Okay. And right? that risk shows itself in a slightly higher interest rate? In a slightly higher interest rate, right? Than so you're gonna an pay FHA a and bit. a VA? Mm-hmm. That's right. So you're going to pay a little more for them. Right. Because the lender's taking on more risk. Right. So that also leads to credit and income requirements. So you're going to have to qualify for those loans, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to have a little better credit score and a stable source of income. So the yes. lender's going to look at that because they're, they got skin in the game, right? They, mm-hmm. They're not looking back to the government and saying, hey, they, we're covered, we're good, right? right? So they need to evaluate that. So let me throw, let me throw a question at you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, you, you get a call from a buyer and they say, hey, you know, I just started my own business and mm-hmm. uh, I need to get a loan on, on this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's going great, but I've only been doing it for a year. So here's a little known fact for you guys out there, you little buyers out there. As long as the job that you're in is in the same line of work as the job that you were in before, they'll consider it a credit history. Part of the issue is that when you start your own company and you you're not no longer on a W-2 where you have a constant paycheck coming through, your lender usually requires a two-year history of tax returns. Now, again, let's go back to this broad stroke conversation. <laughs> Ed and I are not lenders. We're giving you we're giving you tools and t- tips and tricks and things to talk to your lender about. But this is really important. If you are in a flux point where you're thinking about going and starting your own company and you want to buy a house, before you leave and do that, you probably want to go through your loan process. That's right. Right, because there's just so many variables that happen when you start your own company. So this is kind of one of those moments where you sit down with your partner or your family or whoever you're going to buy this house with or yourself, if you're going to buy your house with yourself and go, what's more important to me? Starting this business and waiting two years to buy a home or buying a home? Yeah. yeah. And, and and that magic two-year number that Jeffy just threw, it, that threw out, that's because the lender's typically going to want to see two years tax returns. That's correct. On, on your business. So, on your business. So if you say, hey, I love listening to Ed and Jeff. Uh, I want to become a realtor. Better buy your home first <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're going to have to have two years of uh, right. tax returns before you're going to be able to qualify right. for a loan. But let's so. take a time out there because this is, you know, there's so much information that Ed and I are throwing out, but here's, here's this one piece. If you are, let's say that you're a mechanic and you work for Tesla or Ford, Tesla probably, does Tesla need a mechanic? <laughs> Uh, they, I need a, they need a NASA engineer is what they need. Yeah. But okay, let's say you work for Ford and you're a mechanic and then you get a job offer from another company in the same line of work. Most lenders will look at that as a sequential work history that has no issue. It's right. when you're leaving and starting something new or going from one profession to another that things come up. So you want to really think about that. If you're in the home buying process, you want to probably wait. So I'll give you a, I'll give you a real world example. Okay, perfect. Okay. I'm listening. And this this will relate more to refi on our next episode, but it's the same process. So roll back the clock. You know, I worked for a startup. 
um, was an so I was a W two employee, mm-hmm. and we bought our home and rates were at a higher rate. And then um, I went and became a realtor, <laughs> and rates were dropping. I mm-hmm. couldn't refi for two years. <laughs> Because I had to establish the t- yeah the two years tax returns <laughs> yeah. right so yeah. so that's where it comes that's an example you got to like yeah. build that up because right. you go from W two to ten ninety nine so yes yeah. so anyway enough of that enough of that <laughs> that memory that shenanigans <laughs> that's right let's talk about down payment okay so conventional loans usually require a down payment right. Mm-hmm. And the size can vary, but it's typically going to be higher than government-backed loans. That's correct. And you've seen as low as 5%. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, the stats when I was prepping for these uh, these podcasts, lenders are saying there's a 3% option. I've seen, I've never seen the 3% option as a, as a listing agent or a buyer's agent, but I have seen a 5% option. Now, again, this comes back to as a consumer, if you're getting a loan, what is best for you? Is it better for you to have more money in your bank and have, you know, less of a down or is it better to have a bigger down payment and a smaller loan? And this is where you need to lean into your lender because they will run the stats for you because sometimes the difference between a 15% down and a 20% down loan are not enough to make the difference of bringing in that extra 5% because your payment doesn't change that much. Maybe your rate changes a little because you've you've put more money down. There's so many variables that go into this. So take this as a conversation point and go talk to your lender about that's it. That's right. You know, and that's kind of right into the next point is that right. interest rates are really variable, well, not a variable rate, but they're up to the circumstances of, of and choices that you make as a as a borrower. Right. What's your credit score? Right. How much are you putting down? Right. All these type of things, right? The purchase debt to price, debt mm-hmm. to income. There's a lot yep. of stuff that goes into mixing that up to what the rate's going to be. So if, right. people will say, oh, I got a 6.5% rate or a 7, mm-hmm. seven rate. Well, there's a lot of reasons why, right? You, can, mm-hmm. you know, your situation may be different, so that's why you need right. to have that. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of flexibility there. Also, on loan terms, conventional mm-hmm. loans terms come with lots of options. You can do a yep. 15 year or a 30. There can be you know different blends there. Right. So, again, a lot of reasons that you need to kind of go in and and ask these questions mm-hmm. um, with your lender. I think I'm going to go that, sideways yeah, here. Yeah, is that all right? Go sideways. <laughs> Get sideways. All right. So a lot of lenders won't talk to you as a consumer about making extra payments on your home and what difference that makes over the period of a 30-year loan. That's right. This is, yeah, this is something that I would highly advise every buyer or every every person that has a home loan to look into. If you make extra payments towards your principal balance it actually lowers the amount of interest that you pay over the life of the loan. And a lot of people look at it, I just bought a home for, you know, 550,000, but you're really paying 900,000 <laughs> over the life of the loan. So there's there that is another conversation I would have with your lender about what what would make a difference? What amount towards my principal balance each month or once a year or whatever's comfortable for you financially would make a difference because even a small amount makes a difference. 
So here's a great example of that. Okay. And it goes, it goes to this flexible loan, loan terms, right? Okay. You might be thinking, Hey, I could do a 15 year or I can do a 30. Well, yep. ask your lender. Well, if I'm on the 30 schedule and I put in an extra $250 a month directly to principal, yes. how yes. does that net out? Yes. And, and that way, if, there is a job loss or something happens, you're not tied to that higher term. You could right. back it off if in case of an emergency. Right. So those are, you know, that's a really good point. And that's a real application of how to apply that. I think the other one that people don't realize on conventional loans, mm-hmm. you can use them for investment property. Yeah, absolutely. You can. It just depends yeah. on the amount of money down. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. But they're, they're available to you. You know, it doesn't have to yeah. be for a commercial loan, right? Yep. So there, so you can use them for different product types, property types, where with some of the other choices we've talked about, you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. So what's the bottom line on all this, Jeff? Well, I want to talk about PMI on oh, conventional I, you know loans what? really I, quick. I'm sorry. I blew right past That's that. That's okay That's, because this is important because if you do less important. than 20% yeah. down, you yeah. also have private and mortgage insurance. The difference between a conventional loan and an FHA loan for private mortgage insurance is that after a two-year period, you and if you have 25% equity in a conventional loan, that PMI, that extra payment will drop off that is completely different than an FHA loan. So that's one of the benefits of a lower down payment on a conventional loan because you have that option two years down the road to do that. That's right. And good catch because that's that's a biggie on that. It's like, hey, I, I can't do the 20% down. Right. But well, you can pay that PMI. And, you know, if, if you're in a highly appreciating market, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be just you making the payments. Right. It's the value going up as Correct. well. So Correct. when you so cross that really line, then you option. refi it. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to talk about refi in the next, in the next uh, episode. But the bottom line, what would you say the bottom line on this is, Jeff? Well, I am one, I love looking at all the picture. So I love looking, I don't qualify for a VA loan, but I would qualify for an FHA and a conventional loan. The bottom line is that you should be open to all different kinds of loans because every loan structure is different and to explore those options with your lender is beautiful. And the also part of the bottom line of this is that it doesn't matter what kind of loan you're getting. If you're, if you don't take the time to get fully underwritten and approved for your loan, you're not going to look as strong as someone who does. So take the time to do that process. Don't go, oh, today I'm going to go write an offer on a house and I'm not even approved. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> Although it does to, happen. It does happen. <laughs> it, happens, it happens more than you would think, yeah. but it doesn't, you don't look good. You don't look strong. And if you're yeah. in a multiple offer situation, you're going to get blown right by. Yeah. So you definitely, if you're, if it's on your radar to buy a home in the coming year, Go yeah. through this process on the front end, lay it all out. Yes. And I think our next episode, just to foreshadow a little bit, talking about refi is going to be really great for people to be thinking about as yeah, well in terms exactly. of the big picture. Yes. All right, okay, Ed. Thanks so that's much. It. Great Thank job, you. mister. All right. We'll see you at the next one. We hope you enjoyed the show gained insight into having a thriving business and living a balanced life. We also welcome any ideas you would like us to discuss in future shows. Don't forget to like and share. 
We'll see you next week. 